Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Well, here we are, and we have finally made it to chapter 3 in the book of Proverbs. And we're going to study today verses 1 through, let's see, through 4. And at least we'll start on those verses and see how far we get. Um, Let's read Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this passage. What a beautiful, beautiful passage. Father, I pray that these words would find their place in the deepest part of the heart and mind of the young people who are listening. Dear God, that they would be transformed by them, that they would be grow to be men and women of grace, that great favor would be upon them, that they would be wise, not in their own eyes, but in in the counsel of their God. Father, please, please make this teaching more than just words, more than just a use of time. I pray, dear God, that the young people who hear this will be blessed by it. And I pray for them, Lord, all the days of their life that they would increase in the fear of the Lord in the favor of God and man, that their lives would be an adornment to the gospel. Now, Father, help us in this study. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, he begins here with the words, uh, my son. And and I just want to say something here. I wrote something down. The motive is the love of a father and the desire for the spiritual, temporal, and eternal well-being of his child. Now, I know that I'm talking to young people, and so maybe you're several years away from marriage, and even more so from from having children. And I don't want to grind this into you, you know, how parents are always telling their children, you you have no idea how much I love you. But honestly, in, in a normal setting, the normal father and mother, um, what they're saying is true. Um, when you have a child, it, it is an amazing thing. And here's this person you don't even know that um, they can't feed themselves. Uh, they're going to cost a whole lot of money. They're going to keep you up at night. Um, they're going to make you worry and pray and all these things. But the love that you have for them is extraordinary. And, and you really can't understand it until you experience it. And so in a normal setting, in a Christian home, 
When your father and your mother are giving you commands, for the most part, it, it is they're not selfish. When they're even restricting you or prohibiting you from doing certain things, it's not just to rain on your parade, parade or, or stop your party, but it's because they love you. And you can see this here in Proverbs. We could almost add the exclamation, oh, oh, my son, my son, do not forget my teachings. You know, I have one son that's about ready to leave for college. I have another son who's 16. I have a, a, a 13 year old daughter and a four year old daughter. And so many times I look at them when I'm teaching and I say, oh, my son, oh, my daughter, please. You know, um, there are many things that we can teach a child um, and many things, child, that you can hear from your parents. But the things that pertain to God are of utmost importance. You know, it's not going to matter a hundred years from now how wealthy you were on this earth or how famous or or what you accomplished in the eyes of men. The only thing that matters is faith in Jesus Christ. And then having believed and being secure in his grace, seeking to serve him with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. That's all that matters is is lining up your life with his will and not doing it in order to earn something. No, but resting in his love, resting in his perfect work, then then living your life in that context of grace and serving him. So that's what we have here. Oh, my son. Now, he says, do not forget my teaching. Now, it is not enough to exert effort and diligence to learn. Now, you can see all through the book of Proverbs. And if you if you've tried to read the Bible, it requires effort, diligence. Uh, you have to keep going back and going back. You have to fight battles in your mind. But that's not only with regard to learning the scriptures, but it's also with regard to continuing in the scriptures, not forgetting the scriptures. We must learn but we must constantly remind ourselves, constantly remind ourselves, constantly remind ourselves. I think you would be surprised how many times in the scriptures and even in the New Testament, the word remember comes up or do not forget. You see, it, the question isn't how much have you learned in the, your past years? The question is, how much have you retained? And, and how much are you actually walking in it, you know? Is it a reality in your life? Like I've said before, a man who's been a big influence on my life would always say, OK, Paul, you understand the doctrine, but is it a reality in your life? Is it something that you are living? You see, so it's not enough just to learn. You must continue remembering. Uh, there's a, a Latin phrase that was used by the reformers, semper reformando, remanda, always reforming, always reforming. Always learning, always remembering, always transforming, always reforming, changing our wrong ideas to right ideas, our, our wrong behavior to right behavior according to the will of God. Now, also, I want to say this. It is so easy to forget in the midst of a battle. Uh, they say this in war. Um, I've seen this myself. You know, if, if you've done any kind of uh, 
of, of fighting or anything like that. You, you get this. Everybody has a plan. I mean, you have a plan. You know, I'm going to work inside this guy or I'm going to work outside this guy. But when the first punch is thrown, it's like all the plans just they're so easy to forget. You just start swinging away. It's just survival. And that's the same way it is spiritually. You see, it's easy to forget in the midst of the battle, in the midst of confusion, especially in the midst of panic. If, if you look in the Old Testament, you'll see that, you know, Israel looks like they're strong. They look like they're following the commands of God. And then comes a terrible test, a terrible trial, like a, an army that outmatches Israel's army almost infinitely. And, and they don't know what to do. And instead of trusting in their God in the midst of that panic, they, they run back to Egypt or they trust in another uh, nation. And so these things need to become not just stuff we learn, but they become convictions in our life. Also, we need to realize that once you learn something, that's not going to put an end to all the competing voices. <laughs> like I said, you know, and I'll say it a million times, uh, we live in a fallen world. And in this fallen world, there's all these competing voices telling us, no, 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 no. Don't follow that old Bible. Don't follow a book that was written thousands of years ago. You know, there are new ideas. This is a new world. Well, well, there are new ideas and it is a new world. But if it contradicts the scriptures, it's wrong. It's just wrong. And you will know them by their fruit. And you can see what kind of fruit these new ideas in this new world are producing. Not much good. Not much good. Now, he says, do not forget my teaching. And then he says, but let your heart keep my commandments. So the first he's talking negatively about what not to do. Don't forget. Don't forget. How many times have I have I asked my sons, you know, when I come home from the mission and I say, did you take out the trash? Oh, I forgot. It wasn't that they were disobedient. They weren't rebellious. They just didn't remember. And so, again, it's not enough to learn. You must keep learning, keep reminding, keep remembering so that you don't forget. Then he says positively, but let your heart keep my commandments. Let your heart keep my commandments. I've written here more than just external obedience for the sake of others or for the sake of show. Now, young person, let me talk to you for a second. And only you can answer this question. Only you. And you need to pray for discernment in answering this question. Are you, are you seeming to follow uh, Christ? Are you seeming to believe? Are you seeming to live the Christian life because it's what your parents want? Because what it, it's what is expected of you? Or is it something that's actually in your heart? Is it all just external? This is what we do because... We were raised in a Christian home. Is it all just external? Is it for show? Um, is it a part of you? Is it something that's going to leave with you? Are you going to forget it all when you leave? Do you truly know Christ? And his truth and your devotion for him. Is it something that's of the heart? Is it internal? Here I, I say, is it internal obedience flowing out of a genuine love for God? And a genuine esteem, a genuine love 
for his will as it is revealed in the word. Now, I can honestly tell you, <laughs> I am not perfect. I am so far from it. And yeah, I struggle with a lot of the same things you struggle with, even after all these years, apathy, tiredness, um, getting distracted. But I do recognize, to me, to me, honestly, there, there's no greater value than the value of Christ. I have nothing apart from him. Do, do you have that sense? No God, no salvation, no hope apart from Christ and his gospel. And then another thing, even though, yes, I still struggle with disobedience and everything, when I see God's word and I see the wisdom in it, I esteem it. I love it. I don't hate it. I just hate the fact that sometimes I rebel against it, but I don't hate it. I don't see it as oppression or you know, shackles or imprisonment. Not at all. It brings freedom to live as we ought to live. Do you love the law of God? Do you love his will? Those are very, very important questions. He says, let your heart keep my commandments. You see, let your heart do it. It's not something only outward. And if you say, well, for me, it is outward. Well, then just stop for a second. And first of all, don't fall into condemnation. Don't become angry. Go to God. He understands. Go to your parents, go to your pastor and say, just sincerely. And if they're if everyone around you is walking with God, they're not they're not going to judge you. They're not going to get mad at you. They're going to actually. It's a good thing. They're going to say, wow. Here we have an, an honest person, transparent person who's who's saying, look, I, I really want to esteem God and his word in a greater way, but it's just not in me. And ask for their counsel. And I'm sure that they will be glad to provide it and that their esteem of you will not decrease, but increase because of your transparency and your honesty. And, and listen, every problem, every weakness, everything we run to God. You see, one of the things you need to understand, let, let me say it in this way, even though I don't like this language. Um, if it's the devil talking, then every time you see something wrong in you. You're going to hear that. And again, I'm speaking metaphorically, but it's that voice telling you run from God. God hates you. He doesn't like you. Um, but you see, when you see weakness in you and you see failure in you and you see hypocrisy and insincerity and all the things I see in me. Uh, God's always saying, run to me, run to me, come back to me, because a broken and contrite heart, he will not despise. He won't and just keep coming back, keep coming back. As a matter of fact, when we sin, a lot of times the first thing is I'm going to go hide. just like Adam and Eve in the garden, or I'm going to run, or I'm going to wait three or four days and try to earn God's favor again before I go back to him. All that is just really wrong. It's wrong. The moment you sin, run to God. Run to God. Run to God. All right? So should be something that is in our heart. Now let's go to Proverbs 3, 2. It says, for length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. So the commandments of God will add to you length of days, years of life and peace. Now, what does this not mean and what does this mean? First of all, this does not mean that godly or God-fearing people, people who seek to obey God, 
are going to live a very, very long life or they're going to have a life without turmoil. That's not what it means. Now, here's the problem. You'll have preachers who will take one verse out, okay? And they'll say, this is what this means. But you can't do that. You have to interpret the verse uh, in the context of all the other scripture and everything that's around it. Let me give you an example. If you just see an outline of me, that's all, just me, nothing behind me, nothing in front of me, and you see a really shocked look on my face, well, you have no idea why I'm shocked. Has, uh, you know, what's going on? Am I seeing a friend I haven't seen for many years and I'm shocked and amazed? Or am I, <laughs> I seeing a charging grizzly bear? I mean, you have no idea unless you can see the context. It's the same way in Scripture. If, if, if you don't get everything around it, you can be quickly misled. So it's not saying that those who follow God are going to have a long and perfect and easy life without any turmoil. What it means is this. Let me read it. It means that your life will not be cut short or filled with the unnecessary and self-inflicted sufferings of an ungodly and undisciplined life. You will live the life that you should live according to the will of God, and you will be in the middle of the will of God. And in that, there will be great prosperity and peace. And let me give you an example. Let me read that again, and then let me give you some examples. It means that your life will not be cut short or filled with the unnecessary, look at that, the unnecessary and self-inflicted sufferings of an ungodly man. A man who ruins his life by ungodly living, alcohol and drug abuse. Now think about that for a moment. If you avoid alcohol abuse, drug abuse, What's going to happen? Is it going to promote a better life? Absolutely. Does it mean that your life will be perfect and without suffering? No, but you will cut out a whole lot of suffering if you avoid those sins and those, those slaveries. I'll give you another example. A man who gets beat up a lot. He's always getting in fights. And he's always getting beat up. Because he's arrogant, boastful, and contentious, and he's always frequently frequenting, he's always going to places where men like to fight. I've, I've had to counsel people like that. I'm always getting in fights. I say, stop going to places where men like to fight. You're getting a lot less fights. I'm always, you know, getting in fights. Keep your mouth shut. You'll get beat up a lot less. You see, there's consequences for what we do. and we, we can bring self-inflicted suffering upon us. Um, and, and let me give you another example. There's nothing to laugh about. A, a man who gets killed in the midst of committing a crime. You see, a man who dies at 25 uh, because he has broken the law of speeding. It said go 55 and he was going 95. A man who um, dies or or kills another family in a car accident because he was drinking. All those things are associated with sin, with doing something contrary to the will of God, which brings upon us consequences. Now, again, that's not saying that the godly never suffer or those uh, who do suffer are greater sinners than others. It's just pointing out a truth. And that truth is 
if you walk according to the will of God and avoid these dangerous and harmful, uh, sinful lifestyle, it will have a way of promoting greater life, longevity, greater health, and greater peace in your life. Now, I want to put a special emphasis here. It says, for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Peace. The shalom of God, which is, it's like a, sometimes there are biblical terms that you really, you're at a loss to define them. I think the best way to look at it is like this. Take every good thing you know, put it in a bag, and that's what that means. It's blessing. It's peace. It's God's favor. It's, it's grace. It's his attention, his fellowship. Now, the, the, the man who believes God, the young man, the young girl who believes God, walks with God, there's a special emphasis on, on just peace. And, and what kind of peace? Well, let's look at a few things. Peace that comes from a reconciled and fixed relationship with God through the perfect work of Christ. If, if, if peace regarding my salvation was dependent upon me, I would have no peace. If I thought that salvation was 99% the work of God and 1% me, I would have no peace at all. But I know that salvation is 100% the work of Christ on my behalf. And that brings me peace. Do you see that? Because in my salvation, it's basically, and we'll maybe study this in another course, it's God making promises to God. God the Father and God the Son. God the Father saying, do this. The Son doing it perfectly on our behalf. And it's a perfect work so that our salvation is all in the work of Christ and we can rest because it's perfect and it's finished. You see, so peace resulting from realizing that your your salvation is all of grace. Another thing, peace that comes from the knowledge of God's attributes. He's righteous. He's never going to do wrong. He's omniscient. He knows everything immediately, exhaustively, you see. His omnipotence, he's all powerful. Nothing can come against you or me that has somehow got past God or defeated God. It will be all according to his purpose and that he's faithful and he's immutable. Now, what does immutable mean? He doesn't change. He doesn't change. I mean, if 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 that attribute wasn't a part of God's attributes, we'd be in trouble. Even if God is all the wonderful things that the Bible says he is, if he's not immutable and tomorrow he could change, we would have no cause for trusting in him because even though he's trustworthy today, he might not be trustworthy tomorrow. But the Bible says he's always trustworthy. Why? He doesn't change. He doesn't change ever. No. And then it's a peace that comes from the promise of God's involvement in our life. You see, and and, and young people, listen to me as as you walk through your life, you're going to see more and more of God's faithfulness as you read the word. But as you also as you walk through life, and one of the most precious things is you're going to realize he really is working in my life. Oh, yeah, there's sometimes when it seems like he's not. 
But when you look back over the course of your life, you're going to see, wow, he wove my life like a tapestry. He worked in my life. And I, I want to look at two passages uh, really quick. Uh, the first one, and we looked at this just recently, but that's okay. Um, Psalms chapter 1. Um, I'm going to keep going back to this because I want it to be one of the great verses in your life. Psalms chapter 1 verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The Lord knows the way of the righteous and the wicked. He knows everything. So what does this mean? Well, the word know has the idea also of relationship and intimacy and involvement, concern. And what it's saying is he really does have a relationship with the righteous. He's really concerned about them. He's watching over them. He's working in and through them and he never sleeps. He never slumbers. He never goes away on a vacation. He's always there. And, and young person, you know what maturity is? At least one of the signs of maturity that when there seems to be no evidence that God is around and that he's working and that somehow he's involved in all this. But you believe, you know, you have the assurance that he is. Because though you cannot see, you trust in his character. Now, another passage is in Romans chapter 8. So let's go there all the way over to Romans and chapter 8, which is one of the most spectacular chapters in the Bible. And look at verse 28, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Yeah, there's evil in the world and yeah, there is sin and there are people who do terrible things and there are powers and principalities and mights and dominions and Satan is working. And it doesn't say that God is the author of sin. That's not what it's saying, but he's saying that he can take everything, the good and the bad. He takes it all. And what does he do? He works it together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I'm going to tell you something. I don't I don't like trials. I don't look forward to them and I don't ask for them. I don't like very difficult times or frightening situations. I don't, I don't like any of that. Um, and I think you, you probably need counseling if you do like that sort of thing. But in the midst of it, even when I'm afraid. I know that he's working this for my good. Sometimes it's 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 hard for me. You know, I'll sit there and go, oh, I don't like this. But I do have the peace of knowing he's intimately concerned with my life. He's really involved and he's working everything for my good. And that you can count on that. You can most certainly, certainly count on. Now, let's let's see here. Let me go to the next next thing. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and stop there. We didn't get near as far as I had hoped. And we're going to make our way back into Proverbs um, in the next study. And we're going to look at verse three and four, um, hopefully. Um, and again, young person, realize this. You know, I, I don't know you, but I do have children. 
And I did start this because I have a real burden for, for you. The Lord is faithful. He's worthy. He's real. He's good. And in the midst of all this turmoil, this is what I would tell you. My son, my daughter, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace. They will add to you. You know, I'm, I'm sure that sometimes your parents walk into your room when you're sleeping, and sit on your bed and just look at you and they pray. Oh, God, give them grace. Oh, God, give them a life in Christ. A life that's beautiful, a life of grace. That's what we want for you. And it's all found right here in God's word, because God's word points us to Jesus Christ. Well, God bless you, and we'll see you in the next study. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society.